It's time to go into business for yourself. Get ready for another episode of the Franchise Academy Podcast. Education, insight, and inspiration. Here's your host, small business and franchise expert, Tom Scarda. Welcome to another episode of the Franchise Academy. My name is Tom Scarda. I'm a franchise advisor and coach by day and sometimes a podcaster by night. I'm uh, excited to uh, bring you to the show today because I have my franchise mentor literally with me today. Um, if you have not listened to the show before, please go to thefranchiseacademy.com, check out my book, Franchise Savvy. Also check out my online class, The A Disease, on how to buy a franchise, everything you need to know without talking to me. Today I have Michael Haith with me. Michael Haith and I met 23 years ago when I bought my first franchise, called Maui Waui Hawaiian. Back then, I think it was Maui Waui Smoothies, to be exact. Then it became Maui Waui Smoothies and Coffee. And we got together. I bought the franchise early on. It was late 2000. Opened up my first unit in the Jacob Javits Convention Center. Michael came and helped us launch it that particular week. And I am just excited and proud and honored to have Michael on the podcast today. And he is now the owner and the president of Teriyaki Madness, which we're going to learn a lot about on this podcast. Michael, welcome to the Franchise Academy. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to see you again. Yeah, this is so awesome. Um, just, I remember, uh, you know, looking at the franchise, We I was introduced through a franchise consultant by the name of Carol Mercurio, if you remember. Um, Carol ushered me into Maui Waui, and... Um, we opened up the Javits Center and we're able to expand. You, you were able to do so much with that company. Um, it took hundreds of units. I think I was like the 25th franchisee back then. But um, incredible story. You sold it, I think, two years ago, three years ago. I think it's already been seven. Has it been? Wow. Time flies. Well, that's COVID time. Everything is compressed. Um but now you're into uh, Teriyaki Madness. Tell us about that concept, please. Teriyaki Madness is Seattle Teriyaki, which is ubiquitous. It's on every corner in Seattle. Mm. It's um, fresh vegetables, rice, chicken grill on an open grill, marinated, um, healthier and delicious. Um, found the concept, gosh, about 12 years ago in Las Vegas. Oh, wow, 12 years ago. Um, seven shops and the founders wanted to work with me who had had a little experience and looked at the business model, looked at their income statements, tried the food and signed on as an investor and sitting on the board. And a little while later, um, ended up buying the company. So, um, here we are with 130 shops, um, throughout North America and, um, growing fast that's awesome and so it's um is it a uh, regular store or is it a more compact type of setup yeah it's a compact setup it's about 14 to 1600 square feet in strip malls um, we like having that brick and mortar presence um, but we're still 85 percent outside the four walls be it catering pickup or third-party delivery um, Gosh, it's um, it's you know it's a simpler business model. 
And we like having that physical footprint because, you know, we're kind of an emerging brand, even at 130 shops. We don't have what 35,000 like Subway or something. So people are um, discovering us and we like to be there meeting and greeting. Yeah, there's no question um, about the great, you know, the great tasting food. Um, I remember years ago when, when we were doing Maui Wowie smoothies, you would, you talked about, and you, you probably don't even remember this now, but I do. Um, the fact that people like to have something simple where they could kind of walk and eat or, you know, something quick. And that's what the bowl concept is all about, right? Yeah, it's about that. And it's being able to customize what, what you want. Uh, I think most people know Chipotle and the strength of Chipotle is you come through and you pick what you want. That's the bowl concept. If you don't want rice, if you just want proteins and veggies, you want extra spicy, it's whatever you want. I think the flexibility of the food is one of its greatest strengths. Yeah, there's no question about it. I, I, I like the fact that it is a simple concept, but you know, for people listening, what, what do you mean by that as opposed to you know, a full restaurant tour. Um. Um, well, you know what? It's simple. It's simple. Uh, our kind of watchwords are we want it to be simple. We want it to be understandable. We want it to be delicious. We want it to be healthy and have those healthy options. Um, but we also want every meal to be each individual's meal. We put fresh vegetables in. If you don't like broccoli, you don't have to have broccoli. If you don't like cabbage, you don't have to have cabbage. But, you know, we're a lot of fresh food. We make everything custom ordered for people. And that's kind of our point of differentiation. That and the delicious food. There's not a whole lot of branded teriyaki Asian food out there. Right. So true. When, when you think about, you know, recruiting new franchise owners, uh, who makes a good franchise owner for teriyaki madness? Well, this I think this goes for all franchises. Somebody who's coachable. You know, if you're going to cut a big check to be part of a franchise system and they're going to accept you in, you need to be coachable. You need to learn. You have to have two ears and one mouth. The folks who succeed really follow the operations manuals that have been developed over a couple of decades. They listen to the other franchisees, of which, you know, we've got 170 of them. Um, everybody wants to help, but if you think you know better and um, you want to do something yourself, you should go do something yourself. <laughs> um, being a franchisee is taking a business model that's proven out with a whole lot of support in a good franchise system. And, um, you know, you ask me who makes a good franchisee. It's somebody who's a good franchisee who wants to be a good franchisee. <laughs> Yeah, right. you throw all that and you throw in a good heavy dose of elbow grease and off you go. Yeah. Yeah. And and elbow grease is a great thing to mention because just because you buy a franchise doesn't mean you're going to be successful. It's like just because you joined the gym does not mean that you're going to get in shape. You actually have to show up. <laughs> so that's the problem. <laughs> that's the problem. I uh I have found recently that you could outsource just about any project that you have, but I have not been able to find somebody to work out for me. So. <laughs> when you do, Kevin, call me. Right, right. And we'll franchise it. <laughs> that is great. So the, um, 
Are people buying multiple units when they buy teriyaki mandas, or is it just a single unit for most people? Depends on their situation. We've got some folks who um, are coming to this country and they would like to buy a business. They want to start off small. We've got um, real estate developers who may own a strip mall and they want to own the brands that go in there. Mm -hmm. But for the most part, the people that come into teriyaki mandas want to build a legacy. They want to build something bigger. And that involves multiple units. Um, One can certainly make a living off of one unit, but most of our folks have the American dream of building something that they can be um, proud of and that they can forward on to their family. Yeah. You had mentioned um, new people coming into the country. Do you guys deal with kind of the EB-5 and the EB-2 visa people that come over? We do. We do a lot of that. You do. Our mission statement is to provide opportunity for everyone and being able to provide a business model that allows folks to um, be able to include their family if they'd like or hire owners, uh, managers if they'd like. There's a lot of flexibility within our concept. And some of the larger concepts, like um, let's call it like an Applebee's restaurant, they're looking for people that have restaurant experience or restaurant ownership do you need that for teriyaki or or no that's a great great point for us is because our mission statement is to provide opportunity we really said we'd like to provide folks the opportunity to own their own business i keep saying it's the american dream um because we do that we've got the obligation to provide superior training, superior support, um, help with real estate and construction, and a lot of things that people have never been in business before, never mind the restaurant business, are, you know, they're they're anxious about. We want to be there and we want to provide that support. So we've got a huge team here whose job it is to take inexperienced business owners and make them successful. You know, and and that is the beauty of this particular franchise, because with you, you know, at the helm, not not to kind of blow smoke, you know, but you've been the CEO and president of a franchise for, you know, we'll call it a quarter century at this point, 25 years, maybe longer. Maybe I don't know that. Maybe it's longer than that. Right. Well, I appreciate I appreciate you making me seem so old. But I have yeah. been, I've been a franchisee, I've been a consultant, I've been a vendor, but for the most part, I really like being a franchisor and helping people go into business for themselves. And why, why is that? Um, it's satisfying. You know, I, 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 I think the most successful business owners aren't the ones who do it for the money. They do it to build something. They, mm-hmm. they focus on helping to nurture teams they really like solving problems. They like um, building something. I, I've said it before, something that they can be proud of. And if I can help provide that opportunity to them, uh, not blowing smoke, that that's that's very satisfying. It's great. It, it is great. It's it's giving people kind of a hand up um, as opposed to you know a handout, which happens sometimes, and some people need that too sometimes. But this is enabling people to follow the dream. And, and that's the whole reason I did it back in the day. I, I was buying, you know, I was buying some and, and the Maui Waui smoothie concept was great. Well, 
but the point I was trying to make by by aging you is that you made the mistakes already as a franchisor. You've done things, you've learned a lot of things. Now you have this particular concept totally dialed in. And and I don't think that a layman who's looking at franchising for the first time could really understand what that means. You know, when you say, oh, we got great support, you know, okay, good. Yeah, I'm looking for that. But but what does that mean? Like what when you get when you say great support for you from your perspective, what, what is that? Well, I think that's the role of a franchisor and one that can be provided by any franchise system that's been around for a while and has, you know, call it 50 to 100 units minimum. It's being able to help support those franchisees who want to learn the business, who want to use a business model that has proven itself. More than anything, in a good franchise system, there's a good cultural match. And the community wants to support those, those people who come in to success. I'm always fond of saying that the biggest asset in any franchise system is the other franchisees. Mm -hmm. Because they're there to help and they want you to be successful because it helps them be successful. The other thing that most people don't realize about a franchise is you've got some buying power. We put in place technology and apps and all kinds of stuff that one can simply cannot afford on their own. Yep. Yep. The other piece is we've made the mistakes. I think you referred to this with me being super old is that I've got a whole lot of wisdom built up as does the team and the franchisees in the system of the mistakes that we've made. And those are expensive mistakes. So over 20 years, there's now a business model that won't make those mistakes again. When one does things on their own, it's inevitable that they make those mistakes and those are expensive. No question about it. A lot more than a franchise fee is what those mistakes. Were oh, meant. you know what? There's no doubt about that. Not just in money, but in time lost. And it's tough to build a business, a franchise business. It's really tough to build an independent business with, with little experience. Yep. Yep. And, and I like the, the kind of the buying power and the clout because a, a story from back in the day is, uh, and you probably don't remember this, not because you're old, but because uh, <laughs> it was just a bleep, a blip on the radar for you. But I remember when I first got into the franchise, I said, I'm going to go out um, and solicit the Jacob Javits convention center to get a spot there. And you said, oh, that's great. Do that. But don't don't be disappointed because you are hunting elephants. And um, we ended up getting that contract um, basically on the spot. But later on, and I'll, I'll say four years ago, I went to dinner with Greg Fainer, the guy who was the food and beverage manager who gave us the contract there. And he said to me, the reason I let you in the building was because you were a franchise. If you were just Tom Smoothies, you weren't just walking in the door to the Jacob Javis Convention Center by any means. Um, so just that has that alone is just a lot of clout. You know, I, I hear it all the time when we ask a, a candidate why they're looking at a franchise and they say, you know, we're really buying a brand. Well, the brand has a lot of weight, but the guy who you met with. He understands that there's also all of the processes and systems. So you know how to run a professional business. Right. And that comes with, you know, I, I often say when, when you get into a franchise and it's your first franchise, 
and and for me this was true it was like a hands-on mba you know i i was originally operating out of um a shoebox <laughs> I, I didn't even know what kpi meant you know at the very beginning uh, I learned that through some great folks that you had on the staff. A lot of people helped. A lot of people were still friends with. They're still in franchising. They may be in different companies now, but they're still around. Um, great people. But I, I remember even learning delegation from, from you. And, and I share the story all the time where I, I'm in the Javits Center, and it's it's Manhattan. I'm on Long Island. To, it's only 24 miles, but the drive there will take an hour and a half at least. And so I was going back and forth on the train and, and we would have, you know, the smoothie kiosk. It was a tiki hut on wheels. And we had these washcloths that we would put out because that smoothie stuff was, you know, splashing all over the place. And, you know, we had our aprons and all that kind of stuff. And, um, and I would bring that stuff home and I would wash it and I would bring it back the next day and, and all of that. And one day you called me and you said, so how's it going? I said, it's going great. We're, we're just freaking killing it. And, and he said, so you, you're still traveling into Manhattan? And, and I said, yeah. And I, and you said, why? I said, who's going to wash the washcloths? <laughs> <laughs> and you were like, what the F are you talking about? <laughs> so it was like, you could probably get somebody to do that. And I'm like, all right. Yeah. And, and we did. And then F, after that, and we, you know, and then we branched out into Jones Beach Theater on Long Island and Nassau Coliseum. I, I had managers for each of the locations and I was feeling guilty because I had nothing to do. <laughs> I was just running the business from like, you know, a spare office in my house. It was, that's the target. And, that's the goal, isn't it? And that's the goal. And that's what you can get to with a teriyaki madness because it, what we had at, at Maui Waui was more of what I would call a special events business. So we weren't open every day. But in um, Teriyaki Madness, you're in a storefront. And, and it's a real, legit business that people are going to love and they're going to come back. And you have a repeat element because it's that great. The food is great. I've had it. Well, thank you for that little commercial. Yeah, it is. and I'm trying not to be a commercial here, but but I am excited about about the uh, concept. But yeah, there's there's a reason why I bought it. Is I love the food, I love the the fact that it's something healthier that my kids loved before I I bought in. Uh, my family loved it. They still eat it. I've got um, a couple of kids around the country, and they always call in and talk about their experiences. I, you know, it's, you have to love the business. You have to love the aspects of the business. And if you don't like the food, you shouldn't be doing it. It's something that you're around all day long. Um, right. But you also have to love people. You know, yeah. we talk about the product a lot, but it's about the service. Um, it's about the employees. It's about the customers. And you have to like that transactional type of business to be in a teriyaki madness or kind of any like business. Um, you know, there's good customers and there's bad customers, but when you have people talking about it and you can have some pride in what you're doing, that's a huge deal. Yeah, it really is. And and it was, you know, it's first of all, I missed that with the customer interaction being at the at the counter and at Maui Waui. But it was to the point where, you know, people would come, even at the concerts that we were doing, they would come to a concert during the summer. They knew we were going to be there and they would bring like their own, like 
I remember specifically, we always put an umbrella in the drink. When we got really busy, we kind of skipped the umbrellas, <laughs> which we weren't supposed to, but I, but we did. And people would say, oh, man, I don't get an umbrella. I got an umbrella last time. Um, and, and so people remembered. And back then, the, the thing that you guys have going for you now, which I didn't have, was social media, uh, the marketing, and you know all the stuff that you guys have behind the systems now. And, um, and not to mention, you know, the mobile uh, credit card machines. We didn't even have that back in, you know, 2000. So, you know, you could do a lot of good stuff with that. We barely um, had cell phones. We barely had cell phones. They were kind of new. Um, and now look, you know, it's, it's amazing. If you, um, if there's somebody listening and, and they're thinking about buying a franchise, they don't know exactly why you know maybe it's teriyaki madness maybe it's something else they just don't know what advice would you give to somebody that's kind of in that conundrum like i hate my job i gotta do something different you know that kind of thing yeah i i think we've kind of touched on the points that are important um there's got to be a good cultural match it's not just the business it's not just the numbers um I, I think the folks that are the happiest are ones who see the world the same way as their franchisor mm-hmm. or the rest of the community. Um, I think it's very important to reach out to other franchisees. I think it's very important to meet other other uh, business owners. Um, break bread with the team. Uh, make sure that, uh, you know, you're going to get married here for 10 years minimum on most franchises. Um, for, for us, that's everything is if you don't match the culture of our community, there's going to be friction. Mm-hmm. The second thing is you got to work they, for people who think, okay, I'm buying a business so I can go play golf and tennis every day. That's just, you're going to get, you're, you're not going to be happy. Yes, that can come. But after investing probably a year or two of your life into getting to that position, minimal. The third one is, I think there's some misconceptions about franchising, is that just because you buy a franchise, you're going to be successful. And I I like your um, analogy there where, you know, no one's going to work out for you. You can't join a gym and it just happens. You got to work at it just like any other business. And you have to be ready to work harder than you've ever worked before. The good news is you're working for yourself. And the good news is that if you're passionate about it and you really love what you're doing. And that may not be teriyaki. It may be building a team and giving people opportunity. It may be um, creating relationships and creating friends. That's great. But you have to be passionate about some aspect of the business in order to be successful. Yeah, no, there's no question about it. And, and it's not one thing I like to make clear about the passion thing is that it's not, you know, I I love golf. So I want to buy a golf franchise because that could be a mistake. It it is more about the role of the franchise owner. So you have to discover what that is because that's what you're going to be doing, whatever that role is. And it's different for every franchise. So, you know, sometimes you got to be in that by contract, you're in the store 40 hours a week. And, and for other, you know, franchises, you might only be responsible for a few hours a week, whatever it is. So you have to be passionate about the role. Like you're saying, maybe Maybe you're a, a relationship builder or, or whatever it might be. So, so that that is awesome. Um, and you started to go down this road, but uh, I wanted to kind of get you to finish this up about um, 
any other myth about franchising that you would bust um, or, or about teriyaki madness if you, if that was the case? Well, I think a myth that all franchisors are created equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's so many different angles and so many different cultures and so much um, differences in experience that um, one needs to be very careful that the franchise is for them. And that's, um, I think that's a big myth is that um, just because one franchisor is um, maybe not as transparent as another, or others operate on on some kind of um, process or system, it's, it's you, you really need to dig in. Sure, you, we want you to be excited about it, but we're going to make sure that you come in with your eyes wide open and we're going to be as transparent as possible. Uh, make sure that you talk to the franchisees. Make sure that you do your due diligence. You don't need to take a whole lot of time doing it. Just make a decision, right? I, my, my best saying is make the right decision or make the decision right. Yep, that's the way to say it. Make make that decision, and most of the time you're going to be making it right. Yeah, and that's that's a lot of the work, and that's a lot of the satisfaction of building something. Right, right, and and there's so many great you know exit strategies, or you could keep it and let it pay you dividends into the future, whatever you want. But it's yours. You're building it. I think another misconception is that you know you're going to tell them as a franchisor when they can sneeze and when they can go to the bathroom and it's not like that at all. It's you not like that free. No. Well, we, we, our job is to protect the brand and for, for us to protect your investment, we need to make sure that everybody is uh, providing a great experience yep. and we're pretty dead set on that. Now, how you do it? That's kind of sort of your business. Right. Yeah. And I love that. And then the other th- lesson I want to say about, the not all franchises being equal. A lot of people don't realize that really any business could be a franchise. You just need to go through the process of getting the franchise disclosure document done. Doesn't just because somebody is selling you a franchise doesn't mean that it's a good business or it makes money or there's support. So to your statement before, you got to do that due diligence. Call best thing, call franchise owners and and ask a lot of questions. Submerge yourself before you spend any money. And we allow you to do that. I believe it's the most transparent investment that you could make in the in the world, as far as I know, in the world. It's true because the the FTC has um, created a lot of transparency and a lot of visibility into the business. You just shouldn't be shy because you know it's it's not just your money. You're making a life decision here. It doesn't have to be forever because, especially in a franchise, there's a lot of exits. There's folks who want to buy your business. Um, but you know what? It's it's don't do it quickly because it's a big decision. Yep. Right. Do it quickly, but don't do it quickly. <laughs> <laughs> right. You don't have right. to draw it out. <laughs> right. Do your due diligence. It should, should take about eight weeks. That's about it. And, At the uh, most. And you know what? You're gonna know. You're gonna know. And there's that's the cultural piece, is when you feel good about it, that's when it's right. It's like when you walk into the home that you own you you know you get that feeling you know like yeah this feels right you can't you can't explain why but you'll get sort of that same feeling when you understand the culture of the franchise and that's when you know you've got the right franchise exactly right cool 
Michael, I want to thank you for your time. This is just, again, an honor to have you on the Franchise Academy here. This is so cool. Um, and we'll talk more and uh, maybe we'll run into each other at a franchise conference somewhere in America. That's good hanging out with you again. It was my pleasure. Yeah, absolutely. My pleasure, too. And we'll talk soon. This has been another episode of the Franchise Academy podcast. For more info, go to our website, thefranchiseacademypodcast.com. Remember to subscribe to Tom Scarta's YouTube channel for educational videos on franchising, education, insight, and inspiration.